This is Minnesota Liberty, brought to you by the Libertarian Party of Minnesota, bringing you peace, prosperity, and freedom from the land of 10,000 lakes. Troy Felton. Troy, you want to say hi? Hello. Welcome. Looking forward to a fun show tonight. Me too. All right. So uh, with that kind of intro out of the way, why don't you tell us about our events? Yeah, before we get started, be sure to check out our upcoming events. Uh, the Beltrami County Affiliate for the Libertarian Party is meeting on August 9th at 7 p.m. at Bridges Pub in Bemidji. Our new virtual meet and greet events are live. Uh, the next one is August 20th at 8 p.m. on Zoom. Head over to lpmn.org events for the link. And finally, we need some volunteers for the State Fair. It's fair time coming up here. 4th through September. If you're able to sign up, you can do that at lpmn.org events. And uh, hopefully we'll get a number of people to come show up at the fair and help out. All right. Awesome. Thanks for that, Troy. Uh, we did get started a couple of minutes late, so let's go ahead and... Uh... Bring in our guests, Mike Termott, Josh Smith, candidates for president of the United States, candidates right now for the Libertarian nomination for president of the United States. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us on super short notice as well. Congratulations to Rebecca for having her her baby, um, but she is the normal host. And so uh, we, we kind of had to scramble to get guests, and I'm glad we were able to get a couple of big names. Uh, Mike, you. do you want to get started? It's a great joy to be uh, to be with you. Thanks for arranging it, and uh, good good job on you for getting it done while Rebecca is out on maternity leave. Yeah. By the Josh, way, welcome. double oh, go good ahead, job on you because the person that normally interfaces with with you, James and Troy, on our team, Gabby Cordova, just delivered her first boy uh, two days ago. So oh, cool. Awesome. So it makes Josh, it uh, doubly challenging, but uh, she's healthy and the baby's healthy and we're very excited and and happy to to help with the interface myself. Sweet. Congratulations to her and to your team. Josh, you've got another one on the way too, right? Yep. December. Uh, I think the tentative due date is December 3rd and uh, pretty, we're pretty sure it's a boy. We haven't gotten confirmation on it yet, but uh, that'll give us, that'll give us three boys at three and under. So uh, my, my oldest, my oldest of the younger boys will be three December 31st. So we'll have three that are uh, uh, three, almost two and newborn. And they'll all be boys. So it's going to be a wild house for a couple of years. But I'm excited about it. I love it. Also want to give a shout out to Gabby. Um, uh, her husband and I talk quite frequently. And we were talking in, uh, in chat about that earlier. That's really cool. He's he's in love. And I'm, I'm glad to see them uh, happy and, and healthy. So absolutely. That's awesome. You got, a badass, you got a badass fundraiser there, Mike. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we're very excited to, just to be affiliated, just to be associated with Gabby. Uh, by the way, I'm told that they uh, didn't go for my first suggestion of uh, Michael Cordova. They went with Nathaniel. But, you know, maybe I could talk him into Michael Joshua Cordova. Well, I will you say know. Nathaniel, my middle name is Daniel, and Nathaniel almost rhymes with it. So uh, Almost. You know, yeah, we're, we're real it, close. It's going to take a concerted effort to overthrow what they've already written on the birth certificate, but maybe we could do it. Agreed. You could do it. I think you can. That uh, That's that's both uh, – Old Testament prophets, by the way. So that's that's good to know too. Uh, 
Well, so the reason that we wanted to have you guys on was, well, so first of all, you guys are my top two choices for the for the nomination. Um, Mike, <laughs> I was totally team Termot until Josh announced. Uh, so now I, I'm... Um, that's great. I'm not gonna say ambivalent. I'm not gonna say ambivalent, but you guys are my two favorites. You know, if Chase and Lars and anybody else wants to come on, they can they can reach out as well. Uh, but I wanted to have y'all on first and not have too crowded of a of a of a screen. Um, I guess Mike, I'll start with you because uh, you announced your nomination your, your your candidacy a long time ago. I mean, you've been running for president for a couple of years now, right? Uh, for one year, yeah. We, it, yeah. It might feel like two, but it's only been one. Uh, we launched early because, of course, I was starting with uh, virtually no name recognition nationwide. I had run for Congress in Florida and knew the Florida people, but uh, had not known all that many people uh, in the in the rest of the party nationwide. So we decided to go ahead and and get started early, just to that just to get to know everybody. Yeah, it's cool. It was great to meet you in Reno, and then again here in Minneapolis, we uh, we actually chatted. I think we were in line at the UPS store in the U in the in the Reno that's right. convention center. I was just remembering that, and I remember that uh, everybody was pissed off because the UPS store was charging people something. I want to say like thirty bucks just to give you your package yeah. if you had yeah. shipped a package there. They wanted like thirty bucks for each package. I, I think I gave him like nuts. 150 bucks to pick up my five boxes. I was like, what? Yeah, just crazy. Well, so what made you decide to run for president? Well, I think that we have a big opportunity in 2024. That's uh, that's not a newsflash, right? But I think that to, to take advantage of that opportunity, we need to do a couple of things right. And that means doing a few things that we haven't done uh, in the past, in past presidential cycles. Uh, I also don't think it's a news flash to say a lot of people inside of our party, myself included, have been pretty disappointed with the way that national campaigns, presidential campaigns have have uh, rolled out, have been conducted in the past. And so specifically what I mean is that I believe that we need to run with a very policy forward platform, a very policy forward campaign, and for that platform to include the most bold, most transformational ideas. Uh, as you and I were chatting earlier, the platform that I'm running on, we call the Gold New Deal. Uh, we we separately brand it and gave it its uh, own URL because it's our commitment to running on that platform the whole way through the general election. We have no intention of trying to back off of it or watering it down uh, for purposes of reaching out to people in the general election. We believe that the right strategy in terms of reaching the most people possible is to run a completely differentiated campaign, a campaign that makes no mistake about the fact that we are not a Republican and we are not a Democrat, that we are running on a very uh, principled platform, something that we have not done in past presidential cycles. In my view, we have not been stark enough. We have not been sufficiently differentiated. We had not been bold enough. We had not uh, defined ourselves in our own context. Uh, I think that we were all disappointed when, just as an example, uh, the, our, our, our candidate uh, five, six years ago defined himself as fiscally conservative like a Republican and socially liberal like a Democrat, which I think is a failure of marketing 101 to define yourself in the context of your competitors. But parenthetically, it's not even true. 
in the sense that Republicans aren't fiscally conservative anymore and Democrats aren't in any real modern sense socially liberal. So it's it's important, uh, I believe, in terms of strategy. Uh, but I also believe it's the right thing to do ethically uh, to let people know what libertarianism is all about. You have to run with uh, principles that can be applied to a number of situations to teach people what libertarianism is and how it applies to their daily lives. So for both purposes of uh, marketing ourselves in a fully branded and differentiated way and the right strategy to reach out to as many people as possible, uh, I believe that we have to run with a very bold platform. So that's, uh, that's what it's all about for us. That's why I'm in it, to, to run that kind of uh, campaign. I do believe that running that kind of a campaign, running with the most transformational ideas, means necessarily you've got to work a little bit harder to back that up with credibility. Uh, in other words, uh, as you all know, I spend a lot of time talking about ending the Federal Reserve System and replacing it with a rules-based system. That's not the kind of thing that most Americans, uh, I believe, are, are used to hearing. Uh, but we do need to say it. If we don't say it, nobody else will, right? So we need to be able to say it, and that means we need to be able to back it up. And having been an economist for a couple of decades, having worked with the Federal Reserve System, not as an employee, but having worked with the system, having criticized the system, having my research publicly cited by the Fed chairman, I've met with the Fed board itself in the boardroom. Uh, I, I think I know how to sunset the Fed, I, and I know why, and I know how to replace it. And it's that kind of credibility that I think a lot of people will be expecting when we go out there with some fairly bold uh, propositions. So for that reason, uh, I think that we have the right kind of uh, campaign. Awesome. Well, speaking of boldness, um, Josh, you are kind of known as the, uh, well, so it's uh, at equal point, at equal points, you're, you're either, you know, a bold messenger for li for liberty or whatever, or you're a shit poster who nobody should take seriously. Sure. So I guess kind of same question for you. What made you decide to run? Well, it's, you know, my answer is going to be similar to, to uh, Mr. Mike's there, uh, probably in a radically different way, but still similar. Um, you know, I came to politics as an anti-war activist. It's been my, my life's mission to see the end of endless wars uh, around the world at the uh, hands of uh, a downright evil policy, uh, foreign policy. Um, and, and, on that journey, I found Dr. Ron Paul in 2007. Of course, I I, uh, I worked on Ron Paul's campaign in, in 2008, and then famously, he endorsed me for national chairman in 2020. It was one of the greatest days of my life. Um, but I've done a lot of work for the Libertarian Party over the last six or seven years. Um, and, and in that work, I always had the uh, fire and drive of the Ron Paul revolution in my heart. Um, I always believed that that's what I was trying to bring to the Libertarian Party. And, um, you know, we 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 had some wins in 2022 uh, in Reno, that section of the party and those those uh, people that are still hyped up on the the Ron Paul revolution. And um, I wanted to see a candidate that was going to run a, a, a revolutionary campaign and be bold and be brash and uh, be radical and say the things that people want to hear. and. Um, you know, I was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and I didn't see that candidate. And that's no knock on any of the other candidates that are running right now. 
Um, but I did some talking with some friends and it was kind of in the back of my mind, like, Hey, you know, you could do this. You've built a, a decent uh, national platform. You know, anybody who's telling you as a libertarian candidate that they can, they are going to win the libertarian, uh, uh, win the presidency as a libertarian. It's probably uh, blowing hot air, but I know that we can get 5%. I know that we could become a national party, uh, uh, a major party in, in the, the country. Um, and to do that, we need somebody that ignites a fire and, um, you know, I started really thinking about it. I'm a blue collar working class guy. I've been through the plight of many, many, many Americans, millions. In fact, probably the majority of Americans. Um, I understand what's harming us. I understand what hurts my pocket. I understand what hurts my family. I understand how uh, property works in, in America. And um, so I decided to kind of do it as a challenge and see, you know, what we could drum up. And within three days, we had a 40 person campaign team. Uh, we were already fundraising. We have campaign videos coming out and we're uh, we're being invited on uh, huge major uh, uh, independent media outlets like Tim Pool on August 30th. So, um, you know, it was I, I wanted to I wanted to see that Ron Paul uh, revolution fire built back up. Uh, that's what I've been working for for the last six years. And, uh, you know, if, if I wasn't going to see anybody else that was going to bring that same drive, then I'm going to do it. And so I announced, and, uh, it's been, it's been a success so far. I'd say that we're, we're doing very well. And I think that, uh, you know, if you give me the chance in, in, uh, May of next year to be the candidate for the libertarian party, that we're going to get that 5% and we're going to become a major national political party that actually starts to challenge, uh, these long held positions of power. And, um, you know, we're going to put some things in the mainstream media that haven't been talked about. Like Mike said, ending the Fed. It's a, it's a also one of the tenets of my my campaign. In any libertarian with his salt should make that his uh, central uh, point of his his campaign. Of course, I'm working with an economist as well, uh, who's also into energy, and we've talked about um, you know getting off the OPEC dollar and working towards something that we call the kilowatt dollar uh, by uh, opening 40 Gen 4 um, uh, nuclear power plants and actually exporting energy to, uh, to back our dollar, which I think is a great plan. My, my friend that's an economist has been working on it for eight years. Uh, it's a really great plan. It's a theory, uh, but I believe it could work. Um, outside of that, we, we want to end the wars. I know that's radical to a lot of people, but we have to end these wars. They're not beneficial to the, to the American public anymore. Um, and we're going to run a little bit of a populist message too. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the country right now that are harming our youth. And I think that people are very, very, very concerned with their children and what's going to happen with their children's future, when it, whether that means education or healthcare or violence. Um, and those things need to be addressed. And so we're going to take up a little bit of a populist mantle there and talk about those things and, and uh, how we can fix them as libertarians. And so I think I have what it takes to do this. I think I have what it takes to go out there and get us that 5%. If you've known me at all for the last six years, you know, I'm not afraid to beat down doors uh, to places that I, I wasn't uh, invited to. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to make a, a huge uh, uh, fuss. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna disrupt the mainstream uh, mainstream corporate news media. Uh, we're we're gonna disrupt their agenda to weaken America, and we're gonna start putting focus back on Americans. Awesome. Well, thank you both for uh, giving us a little bit of an overview about your uh, campaigns. And when James had initially asked me to be a part of this, I was super excited. So I went online and I did some research on both of you guys and. 
James took the question that I had lined up. So that's it. Show over. And uh, let's call <laughs> that. Uh, I, I did have a question, though, Mike, about you, your previous political experience. You ran back in 2021, 2022 as the Libertarian Party candidate in the January special congressional election in Florida. And was just curious as to how you think that experience will help you in your campaign here. I think you learn that Americans have a libertarian streak, but they wouldn't characterize it as such and don't know what that means. Uh, you spend, you know, when you when you campaign locally, uh, it's a it's a very visceral experience. It's a very local, hands-on experience to meet people in the Walmart parking lot and to knock on doors and to go to small meetings uh, one after another uh, to meet with uh, local, you know media, local radio hosts and, and small programs. And you learn that you, you need to spend much of your time explaining even what libertarianism is, what the Libertarian Party is all about. You, in some cases, you need to teach people how to spell libertarian, right? But you do learn that most Americans have a libertarian streak. Most Americans do believe in a nation of uh, cultural tolerance. Uh, they believe that uh, the world works best and our government works best when it's a hands-off, when you can lead your life by your own standards. I think that most Americans want a society that reflects that. And I think that most Americans recognize that they have been left uh, in the dirt by the Republican Party and by the Democratic Party. Most people, uh, you know, in the Republican Party are disappointed, not just by their leadership, but uh, by the fact that, as I mentioned before, they're not fiscally conservative and uh, Democrats, too, are similarly concerned that their party has left them. And that's what you you know, those are the kinds of conversations that you can have when you when you run locally. So it's very much an in touch experience. And I think that what I found is that if you identify yourself as a libertarian, if you run on a platform that's very much policy forward and includes the most transformational ideas, people will find you, right? You can raise that flag hard and high and give libertarians a chance to find you, but give everybody a chance to see what it is that you're all about, because people do have something inside them that says, I'm disappointed with the way things are going, and I'm willing to take a look uh, not just at any old party, but a third party that represents American values. And I think that that's the, the real value in, in campaigning locally. Thanks for that. And, and Josh, if I could ask of you kind of a, a similar question with your political experience. So you've been involved with the LP National um, for quite a while, two terms as a at-large rep, and then also the vice chair of the National Committee. So how do you feel your political experience is going to help you in this? Sure. I, I've, I've gotten to do some really, really great things for this party all around the country. In fact, I've been to 48 states over the last six years, which has really opened my eyes to, you know, there, there's a different culture in every state. You know, there's a different culture in every county and every city. Um, and, uh, you know, I would disagree with Mike, and I know this isn't a debate, uh, but I would disagree that most Americans think of themselves as libertarians. 
Um, in fact, I find a lot of people uh, refuse to associate themselves with the, the moniker. Um, it's been an embarrassing thing for them for a long time. Um, and they may share some policies with us. And I think that's where the populist message comes in. You know, like I said, I think people are worried about their children. I think people are worried about education. I think people are worried about, you know, their their income tax and uh, the, uh, the interest rates. And um, there's a lot of things that people are worried about. But at the end of the day, I think the majority of people think the government is supposed to be taking care of those things. Um, but that's, you know, I, I've, I've gotten to shake hands with uh, thousands and thousands of people around the country over the last six years. Uh, I got to do some ballot access petitioning in different states. Uh, I got to work on all kinds of great, wonderful can- candidates' campaigns around the country, whether it be social media or door knocking or phone banking or any of that kind of stuff. I kind of learned... Uh, how to put together a really strong campaign um, from bits and pieces of campaigns all over the country. And that's, you know, one of the first things that I did, even though, you know, as for, at first this campaign was kind of like, hey, we're going to just be a challenge. Um, we were able to put together a 40-person campaign team right away. Uh, and it's it's been great. I have people who uh, put together, uh, you know, websites and and fundraisers and uh, merch sites and videos and graphics and all that stuff. And I don't even have to do much when it comes to that, which is important for any candidate um, to be able to go out and be the face of the, of the campaign and, and talk to people. So um, I, the, the knowledge that I've gained from being in the national committee um, and, and campaigning for the last seven years, I mean, really, truly, if you want to uh, call it what it is, I, I campaigned for chairman in 2020 or 2018, I campaigned for chairman again in 2020, and then I campaigned for chair, uh, vice chairman in 2022. Uh, so I've run a national campaign, you know, uh, three of them. Um, and, uh, and I also got to see what leadership looks like at the national level. So uh, it's, it's gotten me ready for what I think will be a very, very strong campaign just by practice. So that's where I'm at. Well, and I understand Listen. that we got a comment in the uh, chat here from the scientific. Troy, if I may, just real quick, I wanted to make sure that uh, we didn't have a, a misunderstanding. What Joshua was uh, suggesting was he disagreed with actually the opposite of what I said. Oh. I, I said that uh, Americans do not. Identify oh, you said do not. Okay, libertarians. I swear, I thought I heard do, and I was like, oh man, I was, you See? know. I got back. I said it. I have to spend. Is, I, I learned that you have to spend most of your time explaining what libertarianism is. Okay, Indeed, is, I spend a lot of time just teaching people how to spell it. Apologies. This is entirely. this is why I push back, Mike. Whenever anybody says Mike Termot, just sounds like Gary Johnson warmed over. Like you're the opposite almost. Like every because he's the one who said most people are, are libertarian. Um, and. Not at all. I'd like to dig into that comparison a little bit. Do you think it's just First because of all, you let kind me of apologize to Mike because I totally, no, no, no heard, I totally heard that wrong, dude. Totally <laughs> heard it wrong. I apologize, Mike. Do you think it's just kind of the 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 similarity in in appearance and demeanor, or do you actually do you actually think that you're running a similar type of campaign to uh, maybe some of your predecessors, namely uh, Gary Johnson? Uh, I can't think of anything that we do similarly, so uh, I guess it must have something to do uh, with uh, appearance or demeanor, Um, but I must say that I haven't, to to be fair, I have not heard that comment, so, um, you know, maybe next time you hear it, you could ask somebody why. Uh, No, his, his policies were completely 
uh, different. His strategies were completely different. In fact, I would go so far as to say, uh, I think it's a misnomer that, uh, you know, when, when people say that he was the candidate who fell apart because he forgot the name of a city in uh, Syria, uh, the truth of the matter is, in, in my view, that is not the reason his campaign fell apart. His campaign fell apart because he had not given people a reason to hang on to him. He had not given people a reason to believe in his platform and what he stood for. And that is not a mistake that uh, my campaign is capable of making. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for clearing that up, Mike. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I loved Gary Johnson at the time. In 2012, he was my guy. I, I think I even supported him over Ron Paul in the GOP thing. But the libertarian party and libertarianism and sort of just the whole milieu has moved on since then, I think. And I, I think that both of you guys are, are tremendous standard bearers. Um, speaking of standard bearers for liberty, uh, we have a question. And also speaking of national leadership, Josh, which you were just, you're probably the most equipped to answer this question. Um, we have a question from Grumbly's Media in the chat, which, by the way, if uh if people are interested in hearing from Chase Oliver, another candidate for the LP, head over to sportsgrumblings.com to listen to an interview. They just put it up yesterday, and that's where this guy comes from. But he's asking us, um, and Josh, I'm going to let you answer it first. Uh, so there's a lot of infighting within national leadership. He's wondering where you guys stand on the current leadership. Are they hurting the party? Are they just kind of experiencing growing pains? Uh, and, and not really not really well-versed on, on politics, or are they doing stuff right? Um, Josh, why don't you take that one first? Sure. Uh, you know, there's probably a lot of people aren't going to like this answer. Uh, I, I'm not myself personally happy with uh, the national leadership currently. Um, and, and, you know, when I, when I think about that, uh, one of the really important things for a candidate this year is going to be ballot access because we're going to have to go out and get ourselves ballot access in quite a few states. Um, I don't think that the money has uh, the party has the money or the uh, or the the personnel to do it right now. Um, it's a whole new board. Uh, of course, they're going to have some issues and and work some things out. I think that there was, uh, you know, at least one staff member that was not doing pulling their weight and doing the things correctly. Um, and uh, and I'm hoping that that turns around. I'm hoping that this campaign helps it turn around. I'm hoping that we can ignite enough people and, and reignite that flame that we had going into 2022 uh, in Reno and, and get it back uh, on on track. So um, I, I think that they're doing some good things and I think there's some wonderful people on the National Committee. I really do. Um, you know, and, and some of them are my very good friends, you know, Stephen Nicola and Karen Ann Harlos and these people that have been my friends for, you know, going on a decade now. Um, but I think that that there is some things being done wrong and there has been some things that have been done wrong. Um, and that it has hurt uh, financially and, and uh, membership-wise our party. Um, and I'm hoping this campaign can help that. I really do. I, you know, it's one of my main reasons for running is to see the party that I've invested so much time in become successful again. So, yeah, absolutely. And, Mike, did you want to weigh in on that question as well? I know you're not quite as, like, intertwined with the National Party, but uh, if, you, if you do have insight. Oh, I am. Uh, I am. Uh, so there's no excuse to uh, to dodge it. I'm actually uh, a lot more optimistic about the national leadership maybe than Josh is. I think that a lot ha of what has proved to be challenging is the nature of a transition. And in that sense, I would not uh, suggest that the transition uh, was the fault of the current leadership. The transition was something that was, I think, absolutely necessary given where we were as a party. 
And uh, anytime you have that need, uh, a transition, some might even call it a revolution, some have called it a, a reset, but a, a change that's that uh, large, that fundamental, is, is necessarily going to cause some difficulties in hitting some strategic objectives, some traditional numeric measures. That's just going to be the nature of it. And so I'm, I'm much more optimistic that the, the ship will see some uh, smooth sailing in the very near future. Cool. Great. Uh, Troy, you had something teed up and I, I interrupted you twice. So go ahead with, with, <laughs> with what you were going to say. I think you were going to highlight a chat comment. Yeah, actually. I was going to highlight a chat comment from the scientific libertarian uh, regarding when Josh was answering his question about his political experience that Josh has the silkiest hands and a very enjoyable handshake. That's that's very nice of you. I appreciate that. That's a wonderful gentleman that I uh, I actually like a lot here in Iowa. So I appreciate it. I'll shake your hand anytime, buddy. Just let me know. <laughs> yeah, Josh, you're going to be gripping a lot of hands. I think probably coming up here pretty soon. I, I so have gripped a ready. lot of hands in, in over the last six years. That's for sure. I'm sure Mike has as well over the last year. So it's uh, thousands yeah. of hands, thousands for sure, no doubt. If we could stay real quick on, on the party on the uh, LP party topic, and that is. Josh, let's start with you. If, if you should become the nominee from our party for president, what what are you looking for from the party? What can the party do to support you? I don't know that I'm going to be looking for a lot from the national party, to be honest with you. Um, whatever they can do to help us get ballot access in 50 states, I would appreciate that um, because I'm going to be trying to do it myself. And, you know, there's great states that are that are working really hard to get ballot access like Maine just uh, is done a really great um uh, membership drive because they got their requirement lowered, uh, thanks to the great Eric Brakey. Um, and so, you know, if they can, if they can, uh, hit a certain membership number, they automatically get ballot access. It'll save them a hundred thousand dollars. Um, you know, I've worked on these ballot access issues at the national level for a long time. Uh, the, the party probably spends the majority of its money, uh, retaining ballot access in a lot of States. So that's what I'm excited. That's what I would appreciate the help with if I'm the nominee is that we have some ballot access, but I know that I'm going to have to go out and get that for us in a couple of States too. Um, and I'm going to do that work. And, you know, my goal is to bring as many people to the party as possible with my campaign. Um, so I want to help the national party more than they help me. <clears throat> I know this isn't going to be a big, huge, uh, uh, 2016 style help from the national, uh, uh, committee campaign. It's going to be a lot of, uh, uh, you know, user funded, uh, and, and crowdfunded, uh, stuff going on. And so, um, my, my intent is to get as many new members, uh, share that information with the national committee, help them grow, help them get through these, uh, institutional changes that, that have happened over the last year, um, and, and, uh, keep us floating, man. So, um, and also, like I said, that, that standard bear goal is that 5%. We got to hit that 5% in the general. Uh, the first person that does it is is going to be hailed as a hero because we'll have a third national major political party in this country. And I'm shooting for the moon. I think we can do it. Cool. And Mike, same question to you. If you should be get the nominee, what would you be looking for from national? Uh, absolutely nothing. I think Josh is on the right track there. Uh, the The presidential campaign is not just larger than the party's role in the campaign. It's much, much larger. We're talking about millions of dollars in a relatively short period of time. Even if things didn't go well, uh, right? A crappy showing would be three or $4 million. But 
uh, we need to go way, way beyond that. Uh, I don't agree that 5% is shooting for the moon. I think that 5% is shooting yourself in the foot. If, if you're looking at the kind of 2024 that it is shaping up to be, if you're talking about Donald Trump and Joe Biden and us only getting 5%, I would consider that to be an abject uh, failure. Uh, our role is to, to play uh, a major role in American politics on the, the largest of stages in 2024, uh, absolutely to not only disrupt the system, but to teach people that there is uh, a libertarian option, a third option, a, a party that is wholly rational, that represents your ethics and your interests, and for people to rally around that idea. And I think that shooting for the moon is shooting a lot higher than 5%, and therefore, you're not really talking about something that the Libertarian Party is going to be able to play a major role with. Uh, ballot access, absolutely, especially administratively and with early seed money, that's an important function. But after that, you're not really looking for anything from the party. Thank you both for answering that. All right. Another question from the chat, YouTube, a uh, scientific libertarian who loves Josh's hands, but also has uh, questions for us. He says, or they, or she says, what's the best thing to do with the nuclear regulatory committee? Which I'm guessing is the commission, uh, something underneath. Commission. Huh? It's the commission. The commission. Yeah. Commission. Commission. Oh, sorry. You both, Same you both thing. know that. That's great. Well, scientific libertarian don't run for president because they will, they will ding you for saying committee instead of commission. No, no, no uh, big deal. Not a, not a big thing. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's something under the Department of Energy. I've never even heard of it in my life. Um, Mike, do you want to take that one first? Uh, sure. Especially because it's an easy and a short one. It should not exist. Oh, great. Uh, nuclear power plants should be uh, approved uh, in private sector consortia. If you can raise the kind of money that is necessary to construct one of these facilities, it means that you have had to have uh, gathered a, a great deal of capital. Uh, you have had to earn the backing of uh, a consortium of insurance companies. There is no expertise that the federal government, I would go so far as to argue there is no expertise that a state government is going to be able to bring to bear that's going to improve that situation. All they're going to be able to do is slow it down as, you know, playing a role in a presidential campaign. You know, it's only up to us to say at the federal level it shouldn't exist. Uh, but as a practical matter, as long as we're on the related subject, uh, I don't think it makes much sense for states to hold back that approval process either. I would I would leave that completely in the hands of the private sector. Josh, sure. anything to add to that? Sure. I, it's very similar to what I have to say. I will say that the commission, uh, basically what they do is they write out worst case scenarios all the time and then enforce oh. their their uh, regulations and, legis and uh, their regulations <laughs> Uh, according to those worst case scenarios um, and those worst case scenarios when we're talking about like gen four reactors are are so far off the mark that they should not exist it's insane that they still exist um, and and like i said i think that nuclear is wonderful energy that that we should be on already um, especially with these gen four reactors they're very easy to build uh, they're very safe uh, they already have uh, nuclear waste uh, removal and and usage 
Um, and, uh, you know, the salt, what are they, the salt mine reactors? I'm not a professional at this, but I do know a lot about this. I've been talking a lot about it, but I've also been working with, like I said, an economist who uh, has this great idea that we could open 40 Gen 4 reactors, which are small. It would power the entire United States uh, and to a point where we would have a, um, uh, a surplus of energy that could go into battery banks and we could charge other countries to battery bank for them and bring them our nuclear energy. And, uh, and it would actually get us off the OPEC dollar. And he calls it the kilowatt dollar. You should look, you should talk to this man, Mike. It's very, you would probably understand it a lot better than I do. Um, I appreciate is, that. I have uh, been a student of uh, nuclear energy for a, lo a lot of decades since uh, living with a nuclear engineer a long time ago. Uh, I don't think that we need to target a certain number or a certain size. There is a debate right now about whether the, the most, as we say, minimum efficient size of one of these power plants is uh, such that you would need 40 of them or such that you would need uh, 400 or four. We, we need to let the private sector uh, figure that out as technology continues to develop. It is fairly clear, however, that the long-term solution for the United States and for the world is gonna be nuclear energy. I don't think there's any question about that. It's really up to us merely to, uh, to get out of, the, out of the way and let that happen. Sure. No, and I don't disagree with that at all. I don't. Uh, this other side of the the argument that I'm making here is the, a way to get us off the OPEC dollar. And it's a, it's a complete theory, complete theory. So um, it's just something that I like to workshop. And I think you, you, like I said, you probably understand it better than I do. Uh, if you talk to this gentleman, I'll tell you, I'll talk to you about him offline, but uh, it's a really cool theory, man. I do appreciate it. But yeah, the commission's got to go. That was the original question. I just went off on a tangent, but yeah, the commission's got to go. Uh, like I said, they they write regulation uh, due to the worst case scenario. That's it's not even reality anymore. So, okay, Josh, I'm not going to ask you who your economist is, but is it is it not Bob Murphy? It's not Bob Murphy. No, okay. I have not. I know I have he not did a ton of work, work with, with Bob Murphy. Bob Murphy. Yeah, I know he did a ton of work with energy and stuff, but he's impossible to get a hold of. So if yes. you had a contact information, I'd like to get him on the show. I do so. have some really great. <laughs> I do have some really great people on my policy team, but Bob Bob Murphy is not one of them, unfortunately. Maybe someday. Nice. All right. Uh, Troy, did you have anything? I do. If if uh, We talked a little bit about this initially here, but the mainstream media likes to categorize individual political choices on a linear line, one end being the left, the other end being the right. And as libertarians, we don't fit into that prepackaged choice of left or right. So if you became the presidential candidate for the LP, how do you intend to position yourself as the and the libertarian party as a way to attract voters that believe there are only two choices. Are you talking to me first? Yeah, if you want to take that one. Oh, day. sure. Well, look, I talked about this. I have, a, I have a new video campaign, really great campaign video dropping on Friday. Um, and I talk a little bit about this in there. But in, in 2016, 61% of the population did not cast a vote for the presidential uh, candidates. Um, those are the people I'm speaking to. Those are the people that are fed up with the the uniparty and the the constant filth that they and, and barrage of filth that they shove down our throats from DC. Um, those those are my people. They're the blue collar working class people who struggle every day to put food on the table, man. And and uh, those are really the people that I'm going after. They're the ones who are being the hurt hurt the worst by the government, and they don't even realize that there's another option. So we're gonna make a lot of noise. Uh, we're gonna be a very very media heavy campaign. Uh, I would be surprised if we don't drop a video every week. 
<clears throat> we're going to have a media blitz. We're going to hit all the big media outlets, uh, as many as will have us. And the ones that won't have us, we're going to show up on their door and try to make them have us anyways. Um, and that's really how we're going to do it. You know, this, this is the information age. Uh, I think that prior candidates, and, and I will say that I'm sure Mike and, and, and Lars and, and even Chase to an extent uh, are, are looking to do this same kind of uh, thing, but we're in the information age. The mainstream media, we don't care about them anymore. It's not a big deal. You know, when Joe Rogan's getting uh, triple the amount of daily listeners that CNN is, the, the, the corporate news media is a dying uh, old antique of a, of a business. And so we're going to hit all the ind independent media sites and, and we're going to, we're going to get on and we're going to make a case for why we should be the presidential candidate for the libertarian party, but even better, why we are the choice for the American public that is fed up with the uniparty system. And, uh, and that's how we're going to do it. That's the only way that it's going to be done is getting in front of people and, and telling them that we have the solutions because people want to hear solutions to their problem. There's two things that bring people to the ballot box. It's hope and change. Obama proved that. Um, and, and Trump proved that the populist message works. Um, and so we need to go out there and tell people how we're going to fix the problems they're having and, uh, how the government's creating them. And we're going to do that by getting on as, as big independent media channels as possible. Well, and I was pretty excited to see that I saw your post about being on, uh, Tim cast IRL, I think it's Friday. Is that right? Uh, it'll be October or uh, sorry, August 30th. I'll be August on 30th. Okay. Yeah, at eight o'clock, eight to 10 o'clock, I think Eastern time. Cause it's in West Virginia. So, but yeah, they're flying us out and, uh, we get to stay over there. I might get to skate with Tim pool and all that stuff. It'll be pretty cool, man. Well, I was happy to see that James was able to get you on here before Tim was. So that, that's yeah. awesome. Good job, yeah. <laughs> Mike, how about you? As far, as far as that, that same question, how, how do we attract people that believe there's only a left to right option out there? Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, the vehicle through which to do that, there's no question, is independent media. I think that we're all on board with uh, with that idea, which is why I've been on uh, the podcast myself lately and will continue to be. But to your point, uh, the answer to your question is that we need to position ourselves as a party that is very, very different philosophically and in terms of solutions from what you've been seeing going on lately. You need to remind people that there is no other option between the Republicans and the Democrats. They represent the same option. If, if you believe in fiscal conservatism, if you believe in ending the endless wars, if you uh, believe in a rational monetary policy, there is no differentiation between the Republicans and the Democrats. If you're frustrated with the way the government has been going, and I think that most Americans would agree that our government has gone off the rails, especially at the federal level, but also at the state level. If you believe in criminal justice reform, if you're unhappy about the way police officers are managed and the way that the war on drugs has been prosecuted, then it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Neither one of those parties is representing your interests. So in terms of solutions, sure, but I believe even more importantly, in terms of choosing a party that represents your values and your ethics, there is a choice out there. There's a new sheriff in town. That's this party. And most Americans are not aware that they have that choice, but they're going to be aware. And I think that Americans are going to be happy to see it. The name of the game is to differentiate completely uh, from the Republicans and the Democrats. And to do that, you've got to run a very, very bold platform. If I could just ask a real quick follow-up, James, as far as, and Mike, I'll start with you on this one, 
as far as one of the things that our party struggles with is that third party choice is being a, a wasted vote, right? So how, how do you, a contested election like this one's going to be a very important election determining the future of our country here. Stop wasting your vote. <laughs> if you are not voting for your ethics, if you are not voting for your principles, you're wasting your vote. If you vote for a Republican, if you vote for a Democrat, you are wasting your vote because there is no difference between those. Why would you even bother when there is no difference of any significance, particularly in the context of your interests and your values? Frankly, no matter what your interests and values are, I don't see a significant difference between Republicans and Democrats. Why would you bother voting for one of them? If you want to vote for one of them, stay home. Like, don't even waste your hour, much less your vote. But uh, you should be voting to align with your interests and your values. In that sense, you should be voting libertarian. If, uh, and, and, you know, we need to make the case for why people should identify libertarianism in our party and our campaign in particular, why they should identify that with their values and with their interests. But once you do that, uh, I think it's a hop, skip and a jump, as we used to say, to don't waste your vote, vote libertarian. Great. Love that answer. I, I, I disagree a little bit here. I do think there's a huge glaring differences uh, in values between the Republicans and the Democrats, especially when it comes to school choice, healthcare freedom, uh, you know, this kind of new child grooming ideology that's that's really become to come to the forefront over the last uh, decade. Um, and I think that people are worried about those things. Uh, I really, really, really do, you know, and and so I, I do see the difference. But there's also people that are so jaded with two party politics uh, that they're sitting it out. And those are the people that we need to be messaging to. I, I don't think it's very easy to get a hardline Republican transferred over to the Libertarian Party. As somebody who's tried to do it for many, many years, it's not easy. Uh, in fact, it's it's like one out of every 5,000. Um, and, as, and as far as the Democrats, we're just, we're, you know, uh, what, do they, what do they call it? Tilting at kites or whatever they say, trying to get Democrats to come over to the Libertarian Party is very, very, very hard. It's probably one in 20,000. Um, so, you know, my goal is to, to message to the people that are fed up with the, that system entirely, uh, but also people that are uh, worried about those same things that I'm worried about, my children, you know, and and uh, education and healthcare freedom and, you know, these rag outlets calling everybody a Nazi and ruining their lives. And this is all stuff that's very real for people. Um, and we have to have those solutions. We cannot go out there and uh, it, I think it was tilting at windmills or something is what I was looking for. It's weird saying yeah. my grandma used to use, but um, I, I we can't go out there and just and just say platitudes. We can't go out there and 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 do the you know. There's no difference between the two parties. There's huge, huge, huge value differences there. Um, and when we do that, we kind of tell the the Republicans that are maybe a little bit more libertarian leaning that we don't care about their issues. And when we do that to the Democrats that are maybe a little more libertarian leaning, if there are any, um, that we don't care about their issues. And that's not a good thing to do as a, as a political operative. Um, and so, you know, and I've learned that over the years because I used to be the not right, not left, just free guy. Right. And I used to be the, there is no discernible difference between the two parties guy. And uh, every time I did that, I got smacked in the face with reality. And, and, and you know, I'm, I've been very, very, very blessed to live in a completely red state of Iowa. 
um, where, yeah, you can't smoke weed, but you know what? We don't got to tell the government we're homeschooling our children. And, you know, the, the mask mandate has been absolutely outlawed here. And, you know, my job wasn't allowed to tell me that I had to put a substance in my body to continue working. And um, there's some big differences there, some very big differences. And so I want a message to those people too, because I have a lot of those same values and, and more so with the Republican side obviously. Um, but when it comes to the, the, the freedom and the casual social freedoms on the left side, I have some, some things in common with them as well, but I'm a, I'm a blue collar worker. That is the very center of my campaign is that I'm a blue collar working class, middle-class American family that has had to live with the government on my back for the last 40 years. Um, and those people are so jaded with that system that they think there's no way out. And so they're not a Republican. They're not a Democrat. They're probably independent or don't even know if they're registered yet. And those are the people I'm going after that 61% of the population that has opted out of the two party system entirely. Those are my people. And we have to make a case for why there are people. And we have to tell them that we're going to have the solution to their problems. And then, then they'll go out and waste their vote on voting for the party that's going to get 5% in the next election and make us a major party. And then when we're a major party, we have that. It's like when you run for, you know, you want to run for uh, governor of a state, right? Well, you've never ran for office before. So you're going to go right for governor. Why don't you run for state rep or run for city council or run for mayor? We need to show them that we have that in practice, our principles are actually going to change their lives because that's what people want to see from politicians. So those are the people that I'm messaging to. Those are the people that I'm going to say, hey, these are the people that uh, or these are the the issues that you're having. These are the solutions that libertarians can offer, and this is how we're going to get it done. Um, and and that's that's how we're going to get the most people to vote for us, 100%. Great answer. Love that one too, James. Do you got something? Yeah, just following up on that. Um, and this will this will be questions for both of you, but I'll start with you, Josh, because I'm replying to you uh, kind of directly. Um, you, you know, you mentioned the child grooming stuff, and and. <clears throat> I think we're seeing we're seeing a kind of shift in what libertarianism looks like right now. Um, you know, cultural, it, cultural shift. It was yeah, yeah. In the in the seventies and eighties, kind of when libertarianism was getting its getting its legs, there was sort of left libertarians and right libertarians, and they worked together and they were fine. Um, and then at some point, Lou Rockwell and uh, Murray Rothbard left the party. They gave this this barn burner of a speech, you know, saying, "Hey, y'all have become way too intertwined with the regime and 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 with that leftism um, and progressivism." And I'm wondering where you think the libertarian movement is going to be in, say, 10, 20 years. Do, do you can you put on your your fortune teller hat? And just kind of and kind of give sort of your your prognostication for for what's to come. Sure, I'd like them to be the major political force in this country, and 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 I think that we can do that. Um, I do think that we need to shy away from the left a little bit. Uh, I think that you know when, when you're talking about politics and political organizations, that most political organizations, if not all political organizations that are not explicitly right wing, will become left wing eventually, um, and that's Congress' second rule, right? I mean, uh, so. You know, I, I want to see us start leaning into these issues like this, uh, this, this grooming issue where, you know, we're taking the youth of today and we're putting them through a mental health care system that is instead of helping them uh, come to terms with reality, which is what mental health care is all about anyways. It's all, you know, health, mental health care is a spectrum from, you know, uh, uh, general depression all the way up to psychosis. 
uh, all of those people are supposed to have help with coming to reality and living in reality. And uh, somewhere along the lines, we found a way to start telling kids that they could live outside of reality entirely. And um, and that was okay. And we would actually go ahead and and affirm that and start giving them life-changing mutilative surgeries and life-changing uh, medicine that, that they can't come back from. And, um, you know, to me, that's akin to grooming children, you know, and they're, you know, we were all kids in high school once. And I know you had your days where you felt down and you felt like you were an outcast and you didn't have any friends and you couldn't relate to anybody. And you probably put on some eyeliner and listen to emo music or something cool like that. Um, and now they're taking those same type of people and saying, well, you might be this, or you might be a boy, or you might be a girl, or we need to change you. And uh, I, I'm not down with that. You know, I, I think that that's a really bad thing. And I think that's part of the cultural shift in libertarianism right now is the children. And that's why I'm going to talk a lot about kids and future of our, of our, of our children. Um, I think that needs to change. And I think that the Libertarian Party can really capitalize on being the party that's like, yeah, we're not going to stand for this anymore. No more messing with the kids and the, their education and um, their futures. And um, so that's where I'd like to see the party go. Uh, I don't know that it'll get there, uh, but I'm sure going to try and help move that Overton window, certainly. Let me push back real quick. Uh, so I don't disagree with you on sort of the necessity of protecting. Well, obviously, I agree with you on the necessity of protecting kids, but I don't necessarily <laughs> disagree with the sort of ideological um, things that go along with that. Like you and I both have trans friends. Yeah. I joined the Libertarian Party because of its decades long stance on gay rights. Like sure. if 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 there hadn't been that, I would still be a Democrat just wondering what the hell all the was wrong with all the other Democrats, because I wasn't a socialist when I was. A Democrat, and I, I didn't have any sort of, you know, leanings like that. But I was a little bit woke, you know, for a twenty-something guy that was gay, and you know, all that. Um, so how do we, how do we not throw out the baby with the bathwater on that? Like, how, James, how do we? James, you're gay. We... I had no idea you were gay, man. Shut up. Uh, I had to mention. I had to mention it at least once. Otherwise, <laughs> you know, nobody knows. <laughs> um, look here. Here's the thing, uh, and and I talk about this in my platform, right? Um, you know, I don't care as as an adult. Like, I don't care what you do with your body. If you want to graft a forearm dick to your forehead, that's fine. Just put underwear on before you're around my children, you know? Um, and so I, my gripe isn't with trans people. I don't, it's, it's with our mental health care system and the way they're treating children. Um, and I think that that needs to change and we need a, uh, you know, if there's going to be a government at all, it needs to be a government that protects the rights of people and especially the rights of those who can't consent to stuff like this. Um, and so you know, you can disagree with me and that's fine. I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm sure this is my my most uh, controversial to libertarians uh, platform plank. But I think that doctors who perform this kind of stuff, who who misuse their authority um, in mental health care should be tried for for the same as as uh, as uh, sex trafficking children. You know, you're you're taking what you're you're you've learned in, in your mental health care training, you're turning it on its head and you're making a profit off of a trendy movement and you're doing it to children and that's got to change. And, uh, we need a president who's going to say that won't happen in my country anymore. And I, I believe that 100%. And it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's controversial, but, but that's where I stand on it. And it's not, it's not a gripe with trans people. It's not a gripe with, uh, with gay people at all. Um, it's a, it's a gripe with mental health care and the way they're treating, uh, you know, confused children that's got to change 
Awesome. Well, thanks for thanks for clearing that up. Um, Mike, similar question to you. Where do you see the libertarian uh, libertarianism and the party and the movement and stuff in 10 years? And if you want to work in a response to Josh on that, feel free. Also, I guess I'd be curious to know, you know, another kind of controversial issue with libertarians is borders. And as someone from a not quite border state, but, you know, close enough, there's a there's, you know, a lot of mass immigration inside of Florida, from what I understand. Um, I'd love to hear your take on on border control and things like that. Uh, if you want to work that into the into the answer, uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, at least now we know that there really is a big difference between myself and uh, Josh. Look, uh, more than one thing can be true at a time. Uh, it is true that if our government is worth a damn, if we're going to agree to having any government whatsoever, and we can debate about the extent to which that is true. But if we're going to put up with any government at all, at any level at all, at any size at all, it should be for the purpose of protecting our children. Uh, if, it, if it can't you know, do that, then, uh, then truly we should all be anarchists. Look, uh, it is true that I believe children should uh, wait until an age of consent in order to engage in some of these uh, medical procedures that we have been uh, discussing. Uh, something so personal and something so permanent requires a meaningful consent, and that requires being able to participate in the analysis of alternatives, uh, an analysis of the root uh, issues, an analysis of uh, the implications uh, for the rest of uh, a person's life. Having said that, it is also true that how we uh, as individuals, as politicians, uh, as individuals who would participate in the public policy process, how we feel uh, about the choices that somebody makes. Um, you know, Josh said uh, he's not cool with that or not down with that. Uh, that doesn't matter. OK, um, it, it just doesn't matter how you feel about it. Uh, what matters is someone's ability to make decisions for themselves. And uh, yes, an age of consent has to be reached. But after that, however you feel about it, uh, just just doesn't matter. And I appreciate what Josh said about uh, aligning uh, more closely with the values of uh, a Republican. Uh, I get that. Um, but as a libertarian, I do believe that true libertarianism will take hold and play a major role in politics going forward. And the answer to your question is that the Libertarian Party will be more important as time goes forward because specifically, exactly, in reaction to the authoritarian nature that we see coming from the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, including in these areas. Uh, look, I was raised by a Lutheran and by a Calvinist, so you know I'm not going to be able to hide the ball on how I feel about certain social issues. But it doesn't matter. You are not going to hear a phrase from me like, you know, I'm not cool with that. Uh, my personal opinion doesn't matter. I'm here to stand up for your individual rights and make decisions for yourself. With regard to uh, you know the the immigration uh, crisis that we have at the border. Our government has created a crisis down there. It is a crisis of the government's own making. And that is because the, our government has seen fit to make something illegal that it is unable to stop. 
that is where black markets come from. Black markets are dangerous. Black markets kill. I spent a couple of days down at the Arizona-Mexico border last fall. I met with local law enforcement. I met with Customs and Border Patrol, with ranchers who have property on the border and local political leaders, uh, local libertarians. And I uh, was uh, certainly impressed in a very negative way by the extent to which we have a humanitarian crisis in terms of people being led into indentured servitude and worse uh, by coyotes and other human traffickers on both sides of the border. It is an absolute disaster. And I don't think that Americans fully appreciate the disaster that's going on down there. It is absolutely heartbreaking. I believe that the right answer to the question is we need to learn how to vet people through in a legal fashion not just faster than we are now, but much, much faster by two orders of magnitude. Look, immigration is one of those things that defines America for the nation that we are uh, in terms of culture, in terms of our entrepreneurial spirit. Immigration is good for America. It's good for our economy. Uh, It's good for our budget, by the way. Uh, Immigrants are not largely and should not largely be uh, eligible for most welfare programs. So in that sense, uh, it's not the budget buster that most Republicans and some Democrats would lead you to believe. Immigration is actually good for our economy and we need more of it, not less of it. But it has to be handled in a way that's much more rational. This idea of telling people that they can't work when they first come in, I would tell them damn well better get to work. I'm going to call you in two weeks, make sure you have a job. This idea of it taking uh, weeks to be able to clear someone through is stupid. When I worked for the White House, we could vet some people in to anybody in uh, to the White House complex in 90 minutes. Uh, So I realize it's a little bit of an apple and an orange. But this idea of requiring weeks to vet someone uh, is just silly talk. Well, Mike, Josh, unfortunately, to be respectful of your time here, we're going to have to cut it there. But. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate both you guys coming on and, and sharing with us your thoughts and more about your campaign. Um, Josh, let, let's start with you. If you want to tell our audience where they can find out more about you and if they want to get involved in your campaign, and then we'll go to Mike and we'll wrap at that. Sure. First of all, uh, I just want to say on the immigration thing, I think Mike and I are, are almost almost totally in agreement. Um, I do think that we need a much better vetting process. Uh, and, and I just wanted to clear that up because I know a lot of people are wondering what kind of immigration plan I'm going to put out. Uh, I've evolved a lot of, uh, on that thinking over the last probably four or five years. So, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a plan in the works and it'll come out later. If you guys want to find it, uh, it'll be at my website when we release that plank on the platform. Uh, that is Joshua Smith, 2024.com. You can find us there. Of course I do my show every Thursday night. If you guys want to come and check out, break the cycle, uh, with Joshua Smith, me and my my friends here in the basement. Um, uh, we do a really cool show and have some cool guests here and there. And of course you'll be able to see me on Tim pool on August 30th, uh, for a two hour show with him. And then I believe the, the, the after hour show as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, as all candidates we're uh, we're looking to get funding, we're looking for volunteers and we're looking for people to sign up for the, uh, for the email list. Um, so you can get updates through your email that way. And all of that stuff is on my website. Once again, that's Joshua Smith, 2024, uh, dot com and we'll be releasing a awesome fresh new campaign video on friday that i think james has seen maybe have you seen james pretty good video yeah. so it's going to be a lot of fun um yeah i appreciate you guys having me on it really it means the world to me mike you're great i'm happy to know you and i can't wait to see you on the campaign trail 
Hey Josh, Thanks, just Josh. out of it's nice to, just, just, to see you again as as well, and I'm glad that uh, you will be uh, on the campaign trail. I'm sorry that I missed you in uh, Des Moines, but not next time. No, no, I'll be here. I'll be here in Des Moines. Absolutely. Uh, we actually uh, had a, a kid. Uh, my son Rocco was born right before that uh, convention, like a day or two before. That's why we couldn't make it. But um, what's up, James? I was going to ask if you could just for the record, who was your first in-person guest on break the cycle? It, uh, so my very first in-person guest on break the cycle. Now, listen, this is going to make you sad. Uh, in your was, basement in Davenport, Iowa? No, no, not <laughs> Davenport. No, my very first basement guest in person was uh, uh, state legislature, state uh, legislator Jeff Shipley from here in Iowa, who drove about two hours to come be on the show. My first guest in the new studio at our new house that was built for guests, not my personal studio that I had at the old house, was my good friend James Gentleman. And we appreciate you coming in to hang out. Uh, that was that was a great show. I still love that show. It's one of my favorite that I've done in the basement. So, and I see your bottle of Scott Horton hot sauce just over your left shoulder there, it's right, right up there. It's actually yeah. no, no, it's right there. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah there and you I, go. I've left. had several friends now drive down from uh, from Minnesota to be on the show since then, and I and I think that you opened the floodgates for that. So we appreciate you. Awesome. All right, Mike, you go ahead and plug your site as well. <laughs> Uh, folks should go to MikeTremont.com. The, the trick about doing that, of course, is that you'd have to spell it right. Uh, there are two A's in Tremont, so you'd have to figure out that it's M-I-K-E-T-E-R-M-A-A-T.com. Probably uh, easier for most people is to go to GoldNewDeal.org. Uh, GoldNewDeal.org is a little bit easier to remember and easier to spell. We're obviously making a little bit of fun of the original New Deal we believe that we need a fundamentally new relationship between us and the government, as well as uh, between the state governments and the federal government, but especially between us uh, and the federal government. And you will see the most transformational ideas collected there at uh, goldnewdeal.org. Reach out. Uh, my real contact information is there. Uh, drop me a text and I'll call you back. You can call me too, but if I don't recognize the phone number. Uh, I may not uh, pick up right away. Uh, speaking of videos, we're putting out tomorrow uh, the speech that I gave on Sunday at the Humanity for Peace rally uh, outside the United Nations in New York City uh, last Sunday. It was a great rally. We had 300,000 hits on the on the website that was thrown together just for that uh, rally and and. Uh, approaching something like 10,000 views on the videos. So we're very pleased to have been invited and participate in that rally. It's uh, important that libertarians, I believe that uh, it's important for libertarians to find those opportunities to attend programs that are put together in some cases by people that we don't agree with very much, except for perhaps one issue. And so we were very happy to participate in that. Thanks for throwing this program together and having me on. It's been a joy to be with each of you. Hey, Mike, you were uh, you were one of the top build speakers at that uh, humanity event, correct? And uh, it was a lot of fun. Nice, that's cool. It was man. a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks. All right, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us tonight, uh, and we will see you hopefully at the LPMN uh, convention next spring. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Take care.
All right. That's it. That's the show. I know we ran a little bit over. Head over to lpmn.org slash events for events near you and to sign up for that state fair booth. It is the most fun you can possibly have at the great Minnesota get together. Absolutely. Troy, Take care. thanks for co-hosting. And yeah, thank you, James. Re great show. Rebecca, if you're still watching, we miss you and we will see you uh, hopefully next week back on the back in the saddle. All right. See y'all. Good night. At the great Minnesota get together. Troy, thanks for co-hosting. And yeah, thank you, Vince. Re Rebecca, if you're still watching, we miss you and we will see you uh hopefully next week back on the back in the saddle. All right, see y'all. Good night.